Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. God bless you this morning. Are you guys excited? I know I am. I'm, <laughs> I mean, God has been doing some great things in this place. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I know I have. I feel the presence of God every time I come into this house, and it's just so strong. It's so palpable, and like I said, I just know that he's doing great things in this place. Why don't you turn to your neighbor this morning and say, get ready. God has a word for us. Come on. Let's go ahead and pray before we start this morning. Dear God, we come before you, giving you thanks, Lord, for the opportunity to be here one more time, dear God. Lord, I come before you, Father God, placing this word at your throne, Father God, and I just pray, Father God, Lord, that it would be your word speaking through me, Father God, Lord, not my own. Holy Spirit, I submit to you, Father, and I just pray, Father, that this word would penetrate in our hearts, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, um, we got quite a bit of reading to do this morning. Um, oh, he hasn't put it up there yet. Don't don't get scared. All right, we're gonna um, we're gonna turn to Acts nine. And before I start, I just have to say, um, man, God is so good. Every time God gives me a word, I'm always like, Are you sure? This doesn't seem like this is um, going to pertain to anybody. And God's like, just, I got you. Like, I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but we do that, right? We do that to God, and we're just like, mm, are you sure? Like, he doesn't know what he's, what he's doing. Um, but Pastor Juan, this morning, he kind of he took a little bit of my message. And I was like, all right, God, okay. And then if that wasn't enough, Mita got up here, and she started preaching a little bit. I was like, okay, all right, I got you. We're, we're going to go with that. <laughs> so if you'll turn to Acts 9, we're going to read from 1 to 22. And then we're still going to do some more reading after that. You guys got it? All right, amen. So Acts 9 talks about Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And he was approaching Damascus on this mission. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. 
Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Come on, if that doesn't get you excited, oh. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I'm just like, whoo. And then you get a study Bible in your hands, and that's dangerous. I just like told you, I was like, man, I got this, and I got that, and I got this. And he's like, man, you got a lot to say. <laughs> but we're going to go uh, with this chapter, and um, th this, was, this word was difficult. Uh, Ryan came to me, and I was like, you know, I got a five-month-old. <laughs> but we know that God has a word for us this morning. Amen. So hang with me, be patient. I promise we're going to get somewhere. So as we begin, I want to go a little bit further into who Saul was. Um, and he tells of himself in Acts 22, 3 through 5. So if you want to turn there, Acts 22, 3 through 5. We'll go ahead and read that scripture also. So it says, then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. You're probably thinking, what does that have to do with me? I'll get there. 
So I wanted us to read this passage because Paul gives us some more detail into his background. And that's going to help us lay a foundation for the word this morning. So again, who was Paul or Saul? It's going to be the same as I uh, talk about him this morning. Paul tells us in this message that he was a Jew and he was educated under Gamaliel. We'll say Gamaliel, right? It's a Hispanic name we're saying. He's an eminent Pharisee. Uh, Gamaliel was an eminent Pharisee, and he's a leader in the Jewish high council and a famous teacher of the law. So basically, he did not only have an education, we're talking about Saul here, he got it at a prestigious university, so he went to Harvard, right? He was trained up by an eminent Pharisee, is what the Bible says. And what do we know of the Pharisees? They were... To keep it short and for purposes of this message, they were a religious people. And Saul was trained by the best of them or by the worst of them, however you want to look at it. Paul, tells him, Paul himself tells us in this passage that we read that he was carefully trained in the Jewish laws and customs. And he says that he became very zealous to honor God in everything he did. The Bible says he was authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who called on the name of the Lord. So Saul was under the impression that he was honoring God. But what was he doing? He was persecuting the followers. And guess what? Later, he discovered and he was confronted by God on how wrong he had been. Because Saul, just like the Pharisees, was a religious man. And he was on a terrible mission without God, even though he's, he's said to be honoring God. And unfortunately, that's sometimes how we go through life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So Saul's mission was really the wrong mission. But he was doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing. And how many times in life are we on our own mission doing what we think we're supposed to be doing only to discover that we're completely wrong? I know many of us can relate. So our lives are filled with what we believe to be a passion to honor God. But our actions show that we are just as religious as the Pharisees in their day. We serve God. But we fail to seek God. So the first thing that I want to talk about this morning is honor and relationship. We serve God, but we don't seek God. And it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. We know that, right? So where is your relationship? Because just because we do things in his name doesn't mean that we've truly known him. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says, oh, you know what? Let me stop real quick. I didn't tell you the, the, the title of my message. It's called, wait, what? I was like so proud of that. So yeah, little, little, little time out right there. Joel's the one that comes up with all the witty stuff. So I'm like, man, whenever I come up with something genius, I'm like, I got to throw it out there. All right. Anyways, <laughs> Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. So what does this mean? Well, it could mean that because we say we serve God and we think we should live at church and take every possible open opportunity to serve at the church, not spending time with him, knowing him, or getting close to him, but we're serving, right? We're cooking, we're cleaning, we're decorating, we're teaching, we're worshiping, we're preaching. Or we could think that because we know the Bible, we got it made, but we all know that it's not about what we know it's who we know because as we know even the enemy knows the word of god so don't get me wrong coming to church serving the church and even reading the word are good things but they're not the mission they can be part of the mission but still they're not the mission god not only wants us to serve him he wants us to seek him We can't just know the word. We have to live it. He wants our eyes set on him. And we know that Saul's sight was definitely not set on him. Saul was on a mission, like I said, doing what he thought was the right thing, only to discover that he was wrong. So maybe he had the right idea. And I know pastors talked about this, good intentions, right? Maybe he had good intentions, intentions to honor God, but it was a flawed mentality. And we too might have good intentions to honor God, but he wants more than our works. He wants us to know him and he wants us to establish a relationship with him. And for some reason, that just seems harder than just working at church, right? It's like, man, I'll come and cook, I'll come and clean, I'll come and worship, I'll come and preach. What? Tell me what to do. But man... Getting in my prayer closet, reading God's word, not just reading it, studying it and saying, God, open that word up to me and speak to me. Give me something new. Give me something fresh. Tell me exactly what it is that you want me to know. That's different, right? And it's harder. But the enemy knows. The enemy knows that it's harder. And he knows that God has great things for us when we study the word and when we get in deep with him. And so that's why he makes it harder for us. Because he knows that serving God, serving God by preaching and doing all the other things isn't going to get us close to God. And that's where he gets us. That's where he gets us. So I had an example that we could say like, you know, a guy is getting to know a girl or a guy wants... a girl wants to get to know a guy and they could say well no pues he's a good guy but that's not going to get you to know somebody right that's not going to get you anywhere as far as a relationship is concerned you've got to spend time with someone if you're going to get to know them amen james 4 8 says come close to god and god will come close to you right So it's about a relationship. I promise, I don't know if you see the correlation, but Saul didn't have a relationship with God is what I'm saying. And sometimes we just don't have that relationship either, even though we say we know him. 
So we were at a marriage conference this weekend, and one thing that we heard or that we were reminded of by Pastors Joel and Victoria Osteen is that marriage is work. It's good work, but it's work. And so many times we want the good stuff in the marriage that we forget it takes work. But we can't neglect the work it also takes to build a relationship with God. And we have to seek him if we truly want to honor him. Otherwise, it's just empty words. And it's just good intentions without anything to back those intentions. Come on, I need to hear you all this morning. You're too quiet. I get you, Pastor Ryan. I know, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, Matthew 15, 8. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's exactly what I'm talking about this morning. And believe me, I know Mitzah says that every time she preaches, every time we get up here, man, God hits us over the head before he hits everybody else. So I'm not preaching at you. God already did that to me. So we don't know God because we don't have a relationship with him. And like I said, it's not about religion. It's relationship. Saul did not know God, even though he thought to be honoring God by ridding, by getting rid of the followers of the way. So just like Saul, we sometimes neglect truly knowing God on our mission. We fill our tanks with the things that make us feel good, the things that make us feel like we're all right, we're okay. But then you know what? One day we discover that we're not in a good place. And I know we're all guilty of it. We end up in a place where we fall flat on our faces because God has gotten our attention. Saul was on a mission, and he was determined to fulfill what he thought to be his mission, but God intervened before he went too far. So I know for sure God is here to grab someone's attention and to redirect your steps. Second thing I want to talk about. Divine intervention. The Bible says a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice. So God got his attention to redirect his mission. God gets our attention in a way that is specific to how we will understand so that he can redirect our mission and our path. Another thing that gets me here is that it says the light shone suddenly. Sometimes when God needs to get our attention, he does it abruptly. It's not something we see coming. Something, sometimes there is just no other way. If he doesn't intervene somehow, we just won't understand it any other way. And you know what? We should see it coming because when we're not spending so much time with God, we should know better. But when we aren't seeking, you know what happens? We're blinded. Just like Saul. Matthew 15, 13 through 14 says, Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides, leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Come on, that's harsh. <laughs> but God's pretty clear, right? So falling into a ditch, that's God saying we need to open our eyes before we fall. 
to the ground before he has to get our attention. And like I said, sometimes that's by our own doing. First Peter three seventeen says, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good. If that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. It's not fun. Did y'all get that? It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Like I said, it's not fun. You do not want to suffer for doing wrong. But sometimes God allows adversity to get our attention. And like I said, I know we've all been there. And I'm not going to go into the details, but it's happened to myself and my husband. In our marriage... We have found ourselves in a moment of desperation because we were so involved in doing things for God, but we weren't spending the time that we needed to spend with him. And guess what? We came to a place where God had to get our attention. He said, hey, you need me. Hey, let me stop you before you go any further. We get so caught up on our mission that we are blinded to the mission that God has set out for us to accomplish. Before Saul was made physically blind, his spiritual vision had already been dead. So God says, you're already spiritually blind, so let me go ahead and make you physically blind and open your eyes again so you can see me. He takes the scales off. And you know, that's what he's saying to us today. Let me give you a new vision. We know of God, but we don't know God. We get to that ugly point because we neglected to seek and know him. But God in his amazing grace and mercy. But God in his amazing grace and mercy. Man, we should be dancing up in here. We see in verse 6 that the Lord says to Saul, get up. Get up, and you will be told what you must do. The same thing he said then is the same thing he says to you today. Get up. Get up. Get up, and I will tell you what you must do. Number three, restoration and redemption. God has chosen you just as he chose Saul. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Saul's vision was restored and that means so much. I don't know. I kept reading this over and over and over. And I was just like, my mind was blown like 500 times. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know if that happens to you, but when you get into the word, it's like sometimes the stuff just jumps out at you. Pastor Ryan's shaking his head. <laughs> I mean, it's just so exciting. I don't know. I, I love it. <laughs> so not just his physical sight, but his spiritual sight was restored. And his mission had been changed. The Bible says Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus could not refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. That's crazy. 
That's crazy because here he was killing all these people. And God instantly made a change to the point to where people weren't doubting. They just couldn't refute the proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. It says, those who heard him were amazed, saying, isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among the Jesus followers? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priest? What's my title? Wait, what? That people would say that of you and me. Isn't this the same man? Isn't this the same woman? Wait, what? It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Pastor um, Juan, I'm going to have to inject some of that message in here right now. Um, he, he talked about this this morning. He talked about Isaiah and Isaiah 6. And if you're not coming to Spanish service, man, you need to come. It is getting crazy here. It's, I mean, it's awesome. God is doing something. He is really doing something in this place. And you just, you just need to get prepared because God has taken this church into just another level. I know we've been saying it, but no, I promise you. I promise you. I've already seen it changing. I already feel it changing. The atmosphere is beginning to change in this place. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he talked about Isaiah and how he was a common man. He battled every day. I took notes, Pastor. He battled every day, but he saw the Lord. He saw the glory of God. The same as Saul, right? He was a man with flaws and imperfections. He was a human being. It said, he said our vision, his vision was made short. And he was unable to see, just like Saul. I'm telling you, God was like, it's right there, it's right there, it's right there. God wants to reveal himself to us and show us his glory. And he said, we're in a war zone. And if we don't fight it will cause us to depart from the ways of the Lord. Same thing. Same thing. I know God has a message for this church today. So he said, sometimes we allow our human nature to dominate, and that's what directs our path. Isn't that crazy, guys? Same thing. Same thing. Saul was stuck in his own mission, and he, he was allowed to um, be directed by, by his human nature, and that's what was directing his path. He was living without God. But, pastor said, Isaiah confessed his sin before God, and he realized that he wasn't who he said he was. Same thing. Saul realized that he wasn't who he said he was. Right? He was honoring God, but God's like, huh, wait, you're not. You're not. Isaiah's encounter with God changed it all. And he said, he sends us to fulfill the plans and purpose he has for us. He sent Isaiah. At the end, he says, um, something like, who should I send? And he says, send me. Same thing. In this passage, God, uh, God called Saul, right? He called Saul, and he said, uh, Ananias was like, well, you know, you know all the things that he's been doing? I mean, you really want me to go and get him? God's like, yep, I chose him. <laughs> That's how God does. That's how God does. Pastor Ryan uh, preached about David, and when David was chosen, he's like, brought all his, all his sons and all the good-looking ones, and God's like, nope, there's still another one. Where is he? Go get him. 
Same thing. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. It doesn't matter that you've known of him and not truly known him or that you've never known him at all. God has the power to redeem and transform you. He wants to change and restore your life, your mission, and your vision. He wants to change and restore your life, your mission, and your vision. And it's never too late. It's never too late. You know, until when? Until we are no more. And we're all still here. We have all made mistakes. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a pastor, leader. We all made mistakes. We all make mistakes. So don't let that be another excuse to hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. And stop looking back. Stop looking back. Because you know what? That's always going to be there. And the enemy's always, remember what you did? Remember, remember, remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? Who cares? Who cares? Because God has chosen you. God has chosen you. I mean, can you imagine what would have happened if Saul would have been like, oh, man, God called me. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Look at everything I've been doing. I'm not worthy, God. It's all right. You can think you're not worthy because we're not. We're not. But if he was just like, man, it's all right, God. Call somebody else. It's not me. No. No. God's like, I chose you. Get up. Get up. And I will show you what you need to do. That's the same thing he's saying to us today. The Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. You still have the opportunity to change your life around and to leave a legacy that you can be proud of, just like Paul. Like I said, can you imagine what would, he would have, what would have happened to him? I mean, he was one of the greatest in spite of where he had been, in spite of what he had done, God still used him. And God can still use you in the midst of your flaws and imperfections. Like I said, leave the past behind you and get up because the moment is now. Don't wait around for others to make something happen that God intended for you to do. Because sometimes they're like, no, pues, ahí está el pastor. <laughs> no, pues, ahí está Ryan. He can do it all. And God's like, hey, hey, no, 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 no. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Get up. God is calling out to us today. Ephesians 2, 9 through 10 says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Come on. So that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I mean, you need to highlight that one, underline it, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't need us, but he wants us. The Bible says God chose Saul to be his instrument, to take his message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And just like Saul, just like Paul, you're not beyond the power of God to reach, redeem, and use, be used for God's holy purposes, because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. 
Why don't we go ahead and stand this morning? I have one more verse. And we'll go ahead and end with this. Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are beyond, far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in that place. Because God has so much more. God has so much more. And if you're here, it's not because somebody invited you. It's because God brought you here. It's because God has a word for you. It's because God wants to redeem you. It's because God wants to restore you. Amen? Why don't we go ahead and bow our heads this morning and close our eyes. And as Pastor Ryan does it every every Sunday, I don't want to miss the opportunity. I want to know if there's um, somebody here that needs to accept the Lord as your personal Savior. So... Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. You can raise your hand. There's nobody looking. The moment is right now. Do we have anybody in this place this morning? Do we have anybody in this place this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Still want us to pray this prayer. If you just didn't want to raise your hand, it's okay. Let's repeat this prayer because I don't want you to miss your opportunity. Dear Lord, I come before you asking that you come into my heart. Live in me and reign in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God and I confess that I am a sinner. But today is a new day, and you have cleansed me from all of that, and I leave it all behind. Thank you for your cross. I declare from this moment on that I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.